Hello, everyone. My name's Ariel. Yes, really. And this is Fairy Tale. Today, I bring you two stories. One from the Danish is Peter Bull, and the other is the Goat Faced Girl. Not sure where that one's from. These are found in the pink and gray fairy books as collected by Andrew Lang, respectively. Peter Bull. There once lived in Denmark a peasant and his wife who owned a very good farm but had no children. They often lamented to each other that they had no one of their own to inherit all the wealth they possessed. They continued to prosper and became rich people, but there was no heir to it all. One year it happened that they owned a pretty little bull calf, which they called Peter. It was the prettiest little creature they had ever seen, so beautiful and so wise that it understood everything that was said to it, and so gentle and so full of play that both the man and the wife came to be as fond of it as if it were their own child. One day the man said to his wife, I wonder now whether our parish clerk could teach Peter to talk. In that case we could not do better than to adopt him as our son, and let him inherit all that we possess. Well, I don't know, said his wife. Our clerk is tremendously learned, and knows much more than his paternoster, and I could almost believe that he might be able to teach Peter to talk, for Peter has a wonderfully good head, too. You might ask him about it. Off went the man to the clerk and asked him whether he thought he could teach a bull-calf that they had to speak, for they wished so much to have it as their heir. The clerk was no fool. He looked around to see that no one could overhear them and said, Oh, yes, I could easily do that, but he must not speak to anyone about it. It must be done in all secrecy, and the priest must not know of it. Otherwise I shall get into trouble, as it is forbidden. It will also cost you something, as some very expensive books are required. That did not matter at all, said the man. They would not care so very much what it cost. The clerk would have a hundred dollars to begin with to buy the books. He also promised to tell no one about it, and to bring the calf round in the evening. He gave the clerk a hundred dollars on the spot, and in the evening took the calf round to him, and the clerk promised to do his best with it. In a week's time he came back to the clerk to hear about the calf and see how it was thriving. The clerk said, however, that he could not get a sight of it, but then Peter would long after him and forget all that he had learned. He was getting on well with his learning, but another hundred dollars was needed, as they must have more books. The peasant had the money with him, so he gave it to the clerk and went home again with high hopes. In another week the man came again to learn what progress Peter had made now. He's getting on very well, said the clerk. I suppose he can't say anything yet, said the man. Oh, yes, said the clerk. He can say moo now. Do you think he will get on with his learning? said the peasant. Oh, yes, said the clerk, but I shall want another hundred dollars for books. Peter can't well learn out of the ones he has got. Well, well, said the man, what must be spent shall be spent. So he gave the clerk the third hundred dollars for books, and a cask of good old ale for Peter. The clerk drank the ale himself and gave the calf the milk, which he thought would be better for it. Some weeks passed, during which the peasant did not come around to ask after the calf, being frightened lest it should cost him another hundred dollars, for he had begun to squirm a bit at having to part with so much money. Meanwhile, the clerk decided the calf was as bad as could be, so he killed it. 
After he got all the beef out of the way, he went inside, put on spot clothes, and made his way to the peasant's house. As soon as he had said good day, he asked, Has Peter come home here? No, indeed he hasn't, said the man. Surely he hasn't run away. I hope, said the clerk, that he would not behave so contemptibly after all the trouble I have had to teach him, and after all that I have spent on him. I have had to spend at least a hundred dollars of my own money to buy books for him, before I had got him so far on. He could say anything he liked now, so he said today he longed to see his parents again. I was willing to give him the pleasure, but I was afraid he wouldn't be able to find his way here, so I made myself ready to go with him. And when we had got outside the house, I remembered I had left my stick inside and went in again to get it. When I came out again, Peter had gone off on his own account. I thought he would be here. If he isn't, I don't know where he is. The peasant and his wife began to lament bitterly that Peter had run away in this fashion, just when they were to have so much joy of him, and after they had spent so much on his education. The worst of it now was that they had no heir at all. The clerk comforted them as best he could. He was also greatly distressed that Peter should have behaved in such a way just when he should have gained honor from his people. Perhaps he had gone astray, and he would advertise him in the church next Sunday and find where anyone had seen him. Then he bade them goodbye and went home and dined on a good fat veal roast. Now it so happened the clerk took in a newspaper, and one day he chanced to read in its columns of a new merchant who had settled down in a town at some distance, and whose name was Peter Bull. He put the newspaper in his pocket and went round to the sorrowing couple who had lost their heir. He read the paragraph to them and said, I wonder now whether that could be your bull-calf Peter. <gasps> yes, of course it is, said the man. Who else could it be? His wife then spoke up and said, You must set out, good man, and see about him, for it is him, I am perfectly certain. Take a good sum of money with you, too, for who knows but that he may want some cash now that he has turned a merchant. Next day, the man got a bag of money on his back and a sandwich in his pocket and a pipe in his mouth, and set out for the town where the new merchant lived. It was no short way, and he traveled on for many days before he finally arrived there. He reached it one morning, just at daybreak, and found out the right place, and asked if the merchant was at home. Yes, he was, said the people, but he was not up yet. That doesn't matter, said the peasant, for I am his father. Just show me up to his bedroom. He was shown up to the room as soon as he entered it, and caught sight of the merchant. He recognized him at once. He had the same broad forehead, the same thick neck, and the same red hair. But in other respects, he was now a human being. The peasant rushed straight up to him and took firm hold of him. Oh, Peter, he said, what a sorrow you have caused us, both myself and your mother, by running off, just as we had got you well educated. Get up now so that I can see it properly and have a talk with you. The merchant thought it was a lunatic who had made his way in to him and thought it best to take things quietly. All right, said he, I shall do so at once. He got out of bed and made haste to dress himself. Ay, said the peasant, now I can see how clever our clerk is. He has done well by you, for now you look just like a human being. If one didn't know it, one would never think that it was you we got from the red cow. Now, will you come home with me now? No, said the merchant. I can't find time just now. I have a big business to look after. You could have the farm at once, you know, said the peasant, and we old people would retire. But if you would rather stay in business, of course you may do so. Are you in want of anything? Oh, yes, said the merchant. I want nothing so much as money. A merchant always has a use for that. I can well believe that, said the peasant, for you had nothing at all to start with. I have brought some with me for that very end. With that, he emptied his bag of money upon the table, and so it was covered with bright dollars. 
When the merchant saw what kind of man he had before him, he began to speak fair, and invited him to stay with him for some days, so they might have some more talk together. Very well, said the peasant, but you must call me father. I have neither father nor mother alive, said Peter Ball. I know that, said the man. Your real father was sold at Hamburg last Michaelmas, and your real mother died while calving in spring, but my wife and I adopted you as our own, and you are our only heir, so you must call me father. Peter Bull was quite willing to do so, and settled that he should keep the money, while the peasant made his will and left to him all he had, before he went home to his wife and told her the whole story. She was delighted to hear that it was true enough about Peter Bull, that he was no other than their own bull calf. You must go at once and tell the clerk, said she, and pay him the hundred dollars of his own money he spent on our son. He has earned them well, and more besides, for all the joy he has given us in having such a son and heir. The man agreed and thanked the clerk for all he'd done and gave him two hundred dollars. Then he sold the farm and removed with his wife to the town where their dear son and heir was living. To him they gave all their wealth and lived with him till their dying day. The Goat-Faced Girl There was once upon a time a peasant called Masaniello, who had twelve daughters. They were exactly like the steps of a staircase, for there was just a year between each sister. It was all the poor man could do to bring up such a large family, and in order to provide for them, he used to dig in the fields all day long. In spite of his hard work, he had only just succeeded in keeping the wolf from the door, and the poor girls often went hungry to bed. One day, when Mananciello was working at the foot of the high mountain, he came to the mouth of a cave which was so dark and gloomy that even the sun seemed afraid to enter. Suddenly, a huge green lizard appeared from inside and stood before Mananciello who nearly went out of his mind with terror, for the beast was as big as a crocodile and quite as fierce-looking. But the lizard sat down beside him in a most friendly manner, and said, Don't be afraid, my good man, I am not going to hurt you. On the contrary, I am most anxious to help you. When the peasant heard these words, he knelt before the lizard and said, Dear lady, I know not what to call you, I am in your power, but I beg of you to be merciful, for I have twelve wretched little daughters at home who are dependent on me. "'That's the very reason I have come to you,' replied the lizard. "'Bring me your youngest daughter tomorrow morning. "'I promise to bring her up as if she were my own child "'and to look upon her as the apple of my eye.' "'When Mananciello heard her words, he was very unhappy, "'because he felt for sure from the lizard's wanting one of his daughters, "'the youngest and the tenderest, too, "'that the poor girl would only serve as a dessert "'for the terrible creature's supper. "'At the same time, he said to himself, if I refuse her request, she will certainly eat me up on the spot. If I give her what she asks, she does indeed take a part of myself. But if I refuse, she will take the whole of me. What am I to do? And how in the world am I to get out of the difficulty? As he kept muttering to himself, the lizard said, Make up your mind to do as I tell you at once. I desire to have your youngest daughter, and if you do not comply with my wish, I can only say it will be the worst for you. Seeing that there was nothing else to be done, Masaniello set off for his home and arrived there looking quite so wretched that his wife asked him at once, What has happened to you, my dear husband? Have you quarreled with anyone, or has the poor donkey fallen down? Neither the one nor the other, answered the husband, but something far worse than either. The terrible lizard has nearly frightened me out of my senses, for she threatened that if I did not give her our youngest daughter, she would make me repent of it. My head is going round like a mill wheel, and I don't know what to do. I am indeed between the devil and the deep sea. You know how dearly I love Renzola. And yet, if I fail to bring her to the lizard tomorrow morning, I must say farewell to life. Do advise me what to do. When his wife had heard all he had to say, she said to him, 
How do you know, my dear husband, that Blizzard really is her enemy? May she not be a friend in disguise? And your meeting with her may be the beginning of better things and the end of all of our misery. Therefore go and take the child to her, for my heart tells me that you will never repent doing so. Masaniella was much comforted by her words, and the next morning, as soon as it was light, he took his little daughter by the hand and led her to the cave. The lizard, who was awaiting the peasant's arrival, came forward to meet him, and taking the girl by the hand, she gave the father a satin full of gold and said, Go and marry your other daughters, and give them dowries with this gold, and be of good cheer, for Renzola will have both father and mother in me. It is a great piece of luck for her that she has fallen into my hands. Asaniella was quite overcome with gratitude, thanked the lizard, and returned home to his wife. As soon as it was known how rich the peasant had become, suitors for the hands of his daughters were not wanting, and very soon he married them all off, and even then there was enough gold left to keep himself and his wife in comfort and plenty all of their days. As soon as the lizard was left alone with Renzola, she changed the cave into a beautiful palace and led the girl inside. Here she brought her up like a princess, and the child wanted for nothing. She gave her sumptuous food to eat, beautiful clothes to wear, and thousands of servants to wait on her. Now it happened one day that the king of the country was hunting in a wood close to the palace and was overtaken by the dark. Seeing a light shining in the palace, he sent one of his servants to ask if he could get a night's lodging there. When the page knocked at the door, the lizard changed herself into a beautiful woman and opened it herself. When she heard the king's request, she sent him a message to say that she would be delighted to see him and give him all he wanted. The king, on hearing this invitation, instantly betook himself to the palace, for he was received in the most hospitable manner. A hundred pages with torches came to meet him, a hundred more waited on him at table, another hundred waved big fans in the air to keep the flies from him. Renzola herself poured out the wine for him, and so gracefully did she do it, that his majesty could not take his eyes off her. When the meal was finished and the table cleared, the king retired to sleep, and Renzola drew the shoes from his feet at the same time drawing his heart from his breast. So desperately had he fallen in love with her that he called the fairy to him and asked her for Renzola's hand in marriage. As the kind fairy had only the girl's welfare at heart, she willingly gave her consent, and not her consent only, but a wedding portion of several thousand golden guineas. The king, full of delight over his good fortune, prepared to take his departure, accompanied by Renzola, who never so much as thanked the fairy for all that she had done for her. When the fairy saw such a base want of gratitude, she determined to punish the girl, and, cursing her, she turned her face into a goat's head. In a moment, Renzola's pretty mouth stretched out into a snout, with a beard a yard long from the end of it. Her cheeks sank in, and her shining plates of hair changed into two sharp horns. When the king turned around to see her, he thought he must have taken leave of his senses. He burst into tears and cried, "'Where is the hair that has bound me so tightly?' Where are the eyes that pierced through my heart, and where are the lips I kissed? Am I to be tied to a goat all my life? No, no, nothing will induce me to become the laughingstock of my subjects for the sake of a goat-faced girl. When they reached his own country, he shut Renzola up in a little turret chamber of his palace, with a waiting maid, and gave each of them ten bundles of men, telling them that the task must be finished by the end of the week. The maid, obedient to the king's commands, set at once to work and combed out the flax, wound it round the spindle, and sat spinning at her wheel so diligently that her work was quite done by Saturday evening, that Renzola, who had been spoiled and petted by the fairy's house, and was quite unaware of the change that had taken place in her appearance, threw the flax out the window and said, What is the king thinking that he should give me this work to do? If he wants shirts, he can buy them. 
It isn't even as if he had picked me out of the gutter, for he ought to remember that I brought him several thousand golden guineas as my wedding portion, and that I am his wife and not his slave. He must be mad to treat me like this. At the same time, when Saturday evening came, and she saw the waiting maid had finished her task, she took fright lest she should be punished for her idleness. So she hurried off to the palace of the fairy, confided all her woes to her. The fairy embraced her tenderly, and gave her a sackful of spun flax in order that she might show it to the king, and let him see what a good worker she was. Renzola took the sack without one word of thanks, and returned to the palace, leaving the kind fairy very indignant over her want of gratitude. When the king saw all the flax was spun, he gave Renzola and the waiting maid each a little dog, and told them to look after the animals and train them carefully. The waiting maid brought hers up with the greatest possible care, and treated it almost as if it were her own son. That Renzola said, I don't know what to think. Have I come among a lot of lunatics? Does the king imagine that I'm going to comb and feed a dog with my own hands? With these words, she opened the window and threw the poor little beast out, and he fell to the ground dead as a stone. With a few months, When a few months had passed, the king sent a message to say he would like to see how the dogs were getting on. Renzola, who felt very uncomfortable in her mind at this request, hurried off once more to the fairy. This time she found an old man at the door of the fairy's palace, who said to her, Who are you, and what do you want? When Renzola heard his questions, he answered angrily, Don't you know me, old goat beard? And how dare you address me in such a way? A pot can't call the kettle black, answered the old man, for it is not I but you who have a goat's head. Just wait a moment, you ungrateful wretch, and I will show you to what a pass your want of gratitude has brought you. With these words he hurried away, and returned with a mirror which he held up before Renzola. At the sight of her ugly, hairy face, the girl nearly fainted with horror, and she broke into loud sobs at seeing her countenance so changed. Then the old man said, You must remember, Renzola, that you are a peasant's daughter, and that the fairy turned you into a queen. But you were ungrateful, and never as much as thanked her for all she had done for you. Therefore she has determined to punish you. But if you wish to lose your long white beard, throw yourself at the fairy's feet and implore her to forgive you. She has a tender heart and will, perhaps, take pity on you. Renzola, who was very sorry for her conduct, took the old man's advice, and the fairy not only gave her back her former face, but dressed her in a gold-embroidered dress, presented her with a beautiful carriage, and brought her back, accompanied by a host of servants, to her husband. When the king saw her looking as beautiful as ever, he fell in love with her once more, and bitterly repented having caused her so much suffering. So Renzola lived happily ever afterwards, for she loved her husband, honored the fairy, and was grateful to the old man for having told her the truth. As we may guess, the story is actually an Italian one, so greetings, Admin Weiss. I believe that covers our fairy tales for the evening, or morning, or whenever you happen to be listening to this. If you wish to support the podcast, please feel free to donate to our Patreon, Castle of the Creations, or at uh, ko-fi.com slash chaos underscore lily, that's L-I-L-L-Y, for a one-time donation. You can also reach us at... Uh, Chaos Lily Creations on Facebook, Instagram, and on TikTok. Thank you so much for joining us. And if I may be so bold as to express one wish for myself, please be kind to one another. It's only been a week into the new year, and already it's been rough. This is Ariel. It's warming off. 
Starting your own podcast can be intimidating, especially when it comes to figuring out how to best spread the word. When starting Fairy Tale, hands down, the most recommended site was Buzzsprout, and more than six months later, I certainly couldn't agree more. Working with Buzzsprout has allowed us to get published and track our audience on every major platform, from Apple Podcasts to Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Plus, you get a great look at all the analytics you could possibly want. Personally, I love looking at the world map to see where my listeners are. You also get audio players that you can embed into other websites and an easily personalized website. They also now offer easy ways to find sponsors, an affiliate marketplace, and display other methods that listeners can support your podcast ad, like Patreon. Use the link in the show notes below to sign up for Buzzsprout today, and you'll also get a $20 Amazon gift card. We can't be together in person right now, but we can be together in the podsphere. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout today. There was once upon a time a peasant called Mananciello. Masaniello. When Mananciello heard her words, he was very happy because he felt sure a poor girl would only survive his dessert for the terrible. When Mananciello heard her words, he was very unhappy. Seeing that there was nothing else to be done, Mananciello set off for his home. Masaniello. 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 Therefore go and take the child to her, but my heart tells me that you will never repent doing so. Mama's definitely having her. Mama is trope aware, most definitely. When his wife had heard all that he... They would not care. They would not care so very... I hope, said the clerk, that he would not behave so contemptibly after all the trouble I have gone to do... Oh, yes, I could easily do that. But then Peter would long after him and forget all before being. But I shall want another hundred dollars for what? So desperately had he fallen in love with her that he called the fairy to him and asked her for Renzola's hand in marriage. Where did the fairy come from? Are you in want of anything? (sighs) Renzola herself poured out the wine for him, and so gracefully did she do it. But his majesty could not take his eyes off her. Gracefully pouring wine. That's the thing? I mean, that's the thing people can do, but that's an attractive thing? Alright. 